Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to an episode of South of Cheddar Curtain. As always, it's your boy, Devin Hine, but unfortunately, today it's only your boy, Devin Hine, for the second time in the history of our storied podcast. Luke and mine's schedule was just not able to line up for this week, and again, it's Luke, who's the conductor of the train for Hey Man. Let's just each record our own episode, and then we'll come back together next week. And then we'll be back to our usual scheduled program. I'm sure you guys could probably tell that because there was no wonderful introduction. The beautiful music that Luke was able to find for us didn't have that. Might have been a little bit of a tell. Plus, you were probably able to tell the difference in audio quality because Luke is, was kind enough to get us very high-quality recording devices and episodes that I'm not with him. I'm using my Xbox microphone. So quality of the audio is a little different. Quality of the content is not going to be as good, but it's not Luke and I. But hey, guys, we could not let you guys go through this challenging part of the season without being here for you. So even if the audio doesn't sound that great, even if we're not loving what we're seeing on the field, we're here to break it down for you. We always have, and we always will. And if you're listening to the show, obviously, you're a Packers fan, so you know what happened on Sunday as the Packers fell 19-17 to in Denver. I know they call it mile high, but I feel like a lot of us are feeling a mile low after that game. Rightfully so. Packers have now dropped three in a row. Honestly, should have been four in a row, which would have been then five in a row if you look at that Falcons loss uh, prior to the Saints giving us a win. So times have been a little tough. Let's next go into our usual, I think, and I know. So I know that with how times have been tough, a lot of us are searching for answers. A lot of us are trying to place blame. And there's a lot of blame to go around. And while some of it does fall on the hands of Joe Barry, I know that we're not going to get rid of him, guys. At least not now. Not during the season. Matt LaFleur has shown that he believes in Joe Barry. Now, there has been an increase in frustration. We've seen that. Talking about how something has to change with the run defense because obviously what we're doing isn't working. Like, you're beginning to see little wrinkles, little tells of LaFleur's frustration that maybe opens the window for us moving on in the offseason. But there's just no way we're going to do it now. Especially when you listen to LaFleur's comments talking about how when the defense holds an opponent to under 20 points, you should win. Like that's just inexcusable that your offense, barring some, you know, devastating injury to your quarterback or whatnot, can't put up 20 points. Like, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but that's pretty pathetic. And in our past two games, I mean, that's what we've done, right? Against Oakland, or not Oakland, I always call them Oakland just because I grew up and they were the Oakland Raiders against Las Vegas. My apologies. Defense only gives up 17 points. Broncos only 19. We had a bad week before against the Lions, gave up 34. I mean, we just got absolutely blown out by a team that was clearly better than us and clearly wanted it more. But in the week before against the Saints, granted, we came back and, and nearly scratched out a win. Defense only gave up 17 points. Now, they're not playing how I would like them to. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit more later. But Joe Barry's not going anywhere. He's not the solution, but he's also not the root of all of our problems. And it's nauseating every time that I go on my phone on commercial break during a Packers game in the past month. First of all, I just need to stop doing that 
Because I know it's going to happen. I say it every time. You, you open up your Instagram, you open up your Facebook, and if you're like me, where your phone listens to all that you talk about and it can tell what you're looking at, you just get Packer stuff. And it's either fire Joe Barry's most of it or let's go draft Caleb Williams, which isn't going to happen. I know we're frustrated, but Joe Barry is not going anywhere the rest of the season. When Luke and I talked about how we were going to divvy up this show, right? Because if you've been a long-time listener of the show, you know, last time we did this, I believe it was the uh, the week before we started the Dolphins in Miami. We just were going to do our own shows and didn't really plan it out. So we basically ended up talking about the same stuff. Luke and I met for lunch this week earlier, and we were like, hey, let's just divvy it up. So he decided he would take the offense, and I would take the defense. I'm now kind of regretting that after I've tortured myself and watched the All-22 from the Denver game. So I'm kind of struggling, guys. I'm struggling watching this defense. So, like I said, we only gave up 19 points to the Broncos, right? Russ didn't have an amazing game. 20 of 29, buck 94, only a 6.7 yard average, one touchdown, no pick. Javante Williams and McLaughlin did have some success on the ground. Uh, Williams was 15 for 82, and McLaughlin was 5 for 45 for a total of uh, 25 total carries for the Broncos for a buck 45, 5.8 yards per carry. No breaking news there. No surprise, surprise. Packers are on defense continues to leave something to be desired. Now, granted, we did lose Devontae Wyatt uh, during this game to, I believe, a knee injury. And we also lost Darnell Savage, who isn't the, the best run defender in the world, right? That's not what he's known for. But this season, I think he has done a much better job of at least attempting to attack the run. He still whiffs on tackles, but it's not like old Darnell Savage where he was completely allergic to stepping up into the box on a running play and contributing. The man's at least trying, and oh, by the way, if we forgot somehow, Devondre Campbell was out, continues to be out. Uh, I believe it's an ankle injury, so we had Isaiah McStuffie, Quay Walker, and a lot of Eric Wilson in this game as well, which we talked about the backups do well for bringing backups, right? I think that, honestly, Isaiah McStuffie, in my opinion, is nearly as good as Blake Martinez, but he's a backup for a reason. No matter how much hard he plays with, you see that he just cannot fill run gaps. He struggles to get off blocks. And it's going to show that he's a backup. I mean, dude's doing all he can, but unfortunately, there's a reason that he's not all pro. There's a reason that he's not starting. Just talking about some of the injuries, I did just kind of want to talk about that on the defensive side going into this week. So Devontae Wyatt, after being carted off in Denver, was limited at practice on Wednesday limited uh, Thursday, which is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So I'm really hoping he could go in Lambeau against the Vikings this coming weekend. Preston Smith didn't have an injury designation on Wednesday, but he did not practice Thursday. Devondre Campbell, uh, limited practice both Wednesday and Thursday. And then here we are again with Jair's back. It's, it's back to being an issue. Pun completely intended there. You're right. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. Thursday, he did not participate. Not great on the injury front, of course. I mean, the big one being Jair Alexander. I don't think the Vikings love Justin Jefferson, but as we're going to get to, they had some 
young receivers, especially their first-round pick, Jordan Addison out of USC, really step up in a pretty shocking win against San Francisco 49ers. That team showed a lot of heart. We're going to have to match that intensity because the Vikings, I mean, they weren't looking great earlier in the season, and with Jefferson being out, you kind of thought that their ship had sailed, that this season was just going to be a loss, and apparently they didn't get that memo. So they're going to be coming into Lambeau hungry. We got to show up. And we're going to need a lot of guys that we weren't anticipating on playing significant snaps really step up. We already saw a little bit of that in the Denver game, right? Savage goes out. We're seeing more Jonathan Owens. Honestly, even before Savage went out, we were seeing a good amount of Jonathan Owens because with the the lack of depth at corner, obviously we have Razul starting at number one when Jair is out. And then Keyshawn's in the slot, who I think had a pretty rough game. And then uh, Carrington Valentine, the preseason darling of all Packer fans, kind of showed a little bit why he's a seventh-round pick. I mean, unfortunately, this isn't Madden, so I can't see the play art after some of these zone coverage calls. But, I mean, he gave up a couple plays to Cortland Sutton. A couple times, you know, he was like 10, 15 yards off, which is Joe Barry's coverage. And then we do get pressure. Russell Wilson is forced to scramble. And Cortland Sutton's able to find a hole in the defense. It looked like Carrington Valentine was the closest defender, but I don't know if he's if he's taking a deep third of the field and there's supposed to be under, someone underneath because when you see the ball thrown, it's just Cortland Sutton catching it and then Carrington Valentine's like eight yards behind him. So I don't exactly know what's happening on some of these plays, but it doesn't look great. And there were times, though, in man coverage where Carrington Valentine just wasn't quite in a proper position to make the play in the ball. And being a rookie seventh-round corner, that's who they're going to attack. I mean, Razul Douglas has been playing his brains out. He doesn't have a lot of picks this year. doesn't have a lot of flashy plays. But you see him playing with heart. You see him holding people accountable. You see him communicating with other guys in the secondary. Because all of a sudden, with Jair out, with Devondre Campbell out, I mean, him and Kenny Clark are the two biggest leaders on this defense. And it's difficult to see in the trenches how much Kenny is communicating. But on the back end, you see Razul Douglas communicating on nearly every single play both pre-snap and then also getting on people's asses if he knows they messed up. So let's look at this defense in two different ways. Let's look at what we saw in Denver on the run game and the pass game. So in the running game, I believe this comes down to effort and gap integrity, right? Kenny Clark had his absolute worst game as a Packer, at least this season, maybe ever. Granted, he is going against a whole lot of double teams because teams are going to continue to game plan around him. If you are an offensive coordinator that is planning to play against the Green Bay Packers, whether you are dialing up pass protections or especially in the running game, who are you concerned about? In the middle, as a defense lineman, we're not talking about Rashawn Gary here for a second, who is more of a hybrid outside linebacker, pass rusher, whatever. But in the middle, in the running game, who do you need to take care of? The answer is Kenny Clark. And when you're going against double teams, triple teams sometimes, every single play that you're in and your comrades on the defensive line are not doing what they need to do, are not doing their 111th, are not getting penetration and helping you out. Because if Kenny's double or triple teamed, there's only five offensive linemen and maybe a tight end. Devontae Wyatt, who did go out with an injury, but before that, TJ Slayton, Carl Brooks, 
Colby Wooden. I don't even know if Jonathan Ford was active for this game, but I, I'm hoping at some point we do activate him because we need another true larger body run-stuffing defensive tackle that can help take some of the load off Kenny. Not only play to play, referring to the fact that if you have somebody else emerging, then you can't double and triple Kenny as much, but good heavens, he's playing like 70, 80% of snaps. Look at some of the other guys, the the all-pro top-tier defensive tackles, like Dexter Lawrence or Eric Armstead or Vita Vea. Look at some of these guys. Look at their snap percentages. All right, Kenny Clark is blowing them out of the water. And the reason is, it's not because he's so much better than them. And I love Kenny. Like These are all his contemporaries. But it's because the rest of the Packers' defensive line is so hit or miss. And much more lately, unfortunately, it's been miss. Right? We got all excited in the preseason. I'm so guilty. I'm so guilty. Devontae Wyatt was looking so good. And I guess out of the group, out of the potential Robins to being Kenny Clark's Batman, he's been the best Robin so far. He's at least shown flashes. But between the preseason and the Bears game, I was like, oh my God, Devontae Wyatt is that dude. He's that dude. And then with little glimpses from, from Wooden or Brooks. I think Brooks has had a couple sacks in the season and had a few nice flashes. You're like, all right, we finally got Kenny some help. That's how I felt early in the season. And then games like this against the Broncos, I mean, J.J. Angbari had a nice tackle for loss on a running play. Rashawn Gary got in the backfield a couple times. Isaiah McStuffie had a nice handful of tackles that were, you know, for minimal gain. But we're not getting Kenny the consistent help that he needs. And when that happens consistently, you are going to see games like this from Kenny Clark. It's just going to happen. The man might be a stud, but he is a stud who is human. I I hope that type of performance does not continue. I hope that Devontae Wyatt is going to be healthy and going to play against Minnesota. I mean, this is a team that historically Kenny Clark has feasted against. I believe it's James Bradbury is the center for the Vikings who has nightmares of Kenny Clark. Honestly, Preston, too. So if he doesn't play against this game, that's going to be a bigger blow because this is a, a team, the Vikings, that Kenny and Preston both feast on. But it's, it's the same thing we've been talking about for years, guys. Kenny needs some help. And I'm hoping, like I said like three times now, that Devontae Wyatt can go. TJ Slayton, we need more flashes out of you, man. Like You are the prototypical run defender. When you are in there, I need you to create disruption, especially when you're next to Kenny, man. Like... You should be able to take up two blocks in your own. You should be able to beat a double team with your size and your power. Like, I'm not expecting you to be running people down, man. Like, you're a bigger dude, but do what you're good at. Eat up some blocks. Create opportunities for your teammates. Let Isaiah McStuffie and Eric Wilson, who are undersized linebackers who have to play because of the injury to Devontae, um, Devontae Campbell, my apologies, and because now that Quay Walker is playing better, Teams are, are zeroing in on him too. You know, it's if you have a trap play or a counter play or any type of play where you have a couple people going around through a hole, you make sure Kenny Clark is doubled, you make sure he's out of the play, and then you go find seven, which is a great compliment for Quay Walker and how much better he's been playing and how he has really stepped into the leader role in this defense. But the other guys up front need to be helping out Kenny. 
They need to be filling their gaps. They need to be able to, especially if you're one of those bigger guys, if you're Wyatt or if you're Slayton and you're given one-on-one opportunities because of Kenny Clark, you have to win those opportunities. And for the linebackers, I mean, I think Quay Walker is having a great season. Unfortunately, this game, he did have a couple missed tackles. There was one really bad one on a dump off to the running back where he like tried to take off his head. Like literally in the missed tackle, you see him like wrap his, his arms around the guy's neck and then let him go. So that's poor form uh, from a player who's been much better this season. But those run gap defenders need to start helping Kenny, need to start showing more flashes of why we believed in them and why we thought going into the season that their internal development was going to allow for us to have a better run defense, a better defense as a whole. I'm not the only Packer fan who felt that. We were hearing great things about Wyatt and Slayton all in camp. In preseason, we saw it, and it's just been very inconsistent on that front. And those are the big three that matter. Obviously, we have Wooden and we have Brooks who are young, and you hope that they can give you something, but it's it's the big three of the big three guys that I'm really asking to show up and show the faith that we invested in you guys. We move back to the linebacker room. I feel like we've already talked about that a good amount um, with a lot, a lot of the backups doing the best that they can do. If we're looking more at the edge rushers and the inside guys, I mean, Lucas Van Ness has been pretty quiet. Rashawn Gary didn't have a sack in this game, but multiple times you see what his pressure does on the field. Unfortunately, we did get some shades of old Russell Wilson, where his pocket awareness was pretty good, and he was able to to break out, get some passes off to people, which with this relatively pretty inexperienced secondary that we're now putting out in the field, guys are going to get open. Guys are going to get open. If you apply pressure and don't get home, that's just, that's just what's going to happen. If you allow Russ to cook, he's going to find open people. As, as much as we enjoyed as Packer fans, how poor he was last season, he's looking more a little bit like Russ, and that's also uh, because of us as well. We definitely contributed to him making it look like the nightmare Russell Wilson of old, which I was not very happy about, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who is not thrilled about that. So let's kind of switch a little bit talking about pass defense, which I think is where a lot of people have their issue with Joe Barry's defense. He likes to run a lot of cover three and cover four, a lot more zone coverage as opposed to man, as opposed to press, as opposed to heavier blitzes. But this game against Denver was one of his more conservative games. I did not see a whole lot of man calls. I saw a lot of giving people space which Joe Barry is naturally going to be inclined to, but I think there's also the fact that Jair is out. You have Carrington Valentine in. You have Jonathan Owens in a lot. You have Keyshawn Nixon, who we all thought, you know, based on his kick return ability, based on the ferocity we saw there and the competitor that he was, that he was going to be an upgraded slot corner, and he's been given that job the entire season, and I'm just not seeing that aggressiveness Um I can kind of understand now up to this point why he was available as a slot corner because he's just not quite getting it done. You also had to see some Anthony Johnson Jr., seventh-round pick out of Iowa State. This is a guy that Luke loves. I'm not personally as high on him. However, however, he does play safety, and he does wear 36. And I'm hoping that some of 
the lights in some of y'all's heads are going off right now because uh, if you were actual Packer fans, you would know that the king, the father, the OG Lambo Leaper, Leroy Butler, Packers Hall of Fame member. I'm not sure if he's an NFL Hall of Fame. If he's not, he should be. Absolute stud for the Packers in the 90s, strong safety. Leroy, or 36, and one of my absolute favorite Packers, one of the best members of the late 2000s, 2010s defenses, team captain, absolute ball hawk. Little Ed Reed from the NFC North. You know I'm talking about Nick Collins, folks. Nick Collins wore 36. So did Ladarius Gunter, but he played corner, so it's a little different. I can separate that. Anthony Johnson Jr., you're wearing 36. That's a really high bar to step up to. And brother, I hope, I hope that you can step up to it. But tangent aside, you have all these young pieces. So if Joe Barry normally wants to call conservative, of course he's going to call more conservative when you have the younger pieces, right? He's not going to go, man. He's not going to press. He's not going to send zone blitzes because he's afraid of getting beat deep. And you know what that means? That coupled with the run defense, when nobody else wants to step up and make plays and help Kenny and our backup linebackers are doing the best job that they can, but they're backup linebackers for a reason. That means the teams can run the ball for four or five yards per carry. And the passing game, like we saw with Russell Wilson, they can take five, seven, eight yard out routes when the rookie corner is 12 yards off. They can take eight, 10 yard curl routes when the corner is 12 yards off. That's just how it works, guys. That's just how football works. I know that Joe Barry doesn't want to get beat deep. And honestly, in the past couple of weeks, his defenses have done enough to not lose us the game. Now, is it disappointing in the past couple of weeks when we needed a stop in the fourth quarter Right against Oakland, they drove the ball all the way down the field. It was fourth and one. They should have ran it and gotten the first down, and then the game would have been over. They missed the field goal instead, and the Packers get the ball back with four to go. Against Denver, we had the lead. It was 17-16 uh, with like five or six to go. We let them nickel and dime their way down the field because just play cover four, right? Play cover three. Don't give up a touchdown. And we win the game. Yeah, maybe you do if you have an offense that can actually move the ball. Then you do. When you have an offense that can score more than 20 points, I don't disagree. That is, that is not the absolute worst defense to call in the world. But that's not what we have. And so against Denver, when we let them go down the field and they go up 19-17 with 3.50 to go, you would hope with a confident offense they can move the ball, they can at least get a field goal, punch it in the end zone. You know, whatever happens on that drive, you would hope that we can do enough to get the dub when the defense only give, gives up 19 points. But as of late, that's been a little bit too much to ask. So I know that Joe Barry, we all know that Joe Barry is a pretty conservative play caller. And with all these young pieces, we wouldn't expect that to change. But here I am. As the half of the show that was in charge of discussing the defense. And I'm trying to give some hope. I'm trying to give some positivity. And I am saying that I'm hoping that with the floor's energy 
talking about that run defense of how you got to do something. Right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting the same results, because you're not going to get it. I'm hoping that we're realizing, especially with two games in a row now, that, hey, Jordan and the offense, they're having some issues. It's a different person on every play. I'm sure Luke is going to go through it beautifully, as he always does. But while the offense is having a hard time, like Razul said after the game when he was asked about you know who takes blame and whatnot, Razul said, it's on the defense. It's on us. We have to be better. And I think it's going to be difficult for us if we continue to play in fear, if we continue to do cover three, cover four, because this offense, it needs help. With how much money we've invested in this defense through free agency, You've seen the chart about how many first-round draft picks you have in this defense. Even if we don't have all the horses in the stable, even if we don't have Jair, even if we don't have Savage, we don't have Campbell, a lot of these veteran leaders, we cannot sit back and allow a team to nickel and dime us to death. Even if we're only giving up 19, 20 points, 19, 17, whatever. We cannot sit back and play afraid. We need to start sending some blitzes. We need to play some press man, or we need to play that Legion of Boom press zone. If we continue to sit back, we're going to see the same results. I'm hoping in the running game that through film study, some of our linebackers have better gap integrity. I'm hoping some of our defensive linemen look themselves in the mirror, have a real good session of self-talk, and get their shit together and just play better schematically i don't think i don't think things are going to dramatically change i really hope so because we need to start going for broke we need to be getting our offense in shorter field position we are one of the absolute worst teams in the nfl i think we're 27th or 28th when it comes to turnovers forced on the defensive side of the ball we can't have that not when you have quay walker not when you have gary not when you have kenny clark not when you have Razul God himself. Man, even Rudy Ford is king of the interception lately. Like, my God, let the boys cook. And if we press, and if we send heat, and we get beat over the top, so be it. I would rather have us die on our feet than live at our knees. And living at our knees means that the defense bends, 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 and the offense isn't able to compensate, and we lose. And that's what we've been doing. Why do we have this souped-up Ferrari of a defense? Why did we upgrade the tires? Why did we upgrade the engine? Why did we spend so much money on this wonderful Ferrari and we drive it like a Prius? I don't care if we have a little fender bender. We got some, we got some injuries. This is still the car that we have. We, are, we should still be showing it off to its strengths. So this week, we have that team that we all love so much the Minnesota Vikings, and they come to Lambeau. Last year, this was a huge get-right game, and by God, this needs to be the same way this year. Vikings coming off a big win against San Francisco, giving them only their second loss of the season. Kirk Cousins, you know I hate him, but he looked like that dude. 35-45, 378, two touchdowns, did have one interception. But the story of this game, as I said earlier, wasn't Justin Jefferson. He was out. Their rookie first round of Jordan Addison out of USC, seven catchers, buck 23, 17 per catch, two touchdowns. This dude was burning 49ers left and right. I hope the burn center in Minnesota, I hope they were properly staffed the night of that game because, whoo, they would have been busy. I know he moshed, I think, with Shadavius Ward. 
one of the better corners for San Francisco. It was it was honestly an interception thrown to Ward. And then Jordan Addison said, nope, I'll take that. That's my ball. They got a great tight end. TJ Hawkinson, one of Luke's favorite players. I don't love him, but he is out of Iowa. Tight end you, so I got to give him some love. 11 catches, 86 yards. And then they got the randoms. They got this Brandon Powell, who was a Ram, KJ Osborne, like dudes that are not athletic freaks, but just know how to run routes, know how to get open. And then they're catching the ball when it's thrown to them, which I, I'm talking about, you know, know how to run routes and know how to get open. And I, it sounds very generic and like it's not very good commentary, but as I'm sure Luke will talk about in the offense, how we have guys running the same goddamn route. I mean, asking for people just to know what they're supposed to do when they're NFL players. You wouldn't think it's asking that much, but apparently it is. Sorry for, sorry, Luke, for uh, cutting into your spiel a little bit, but I, I couldn't couldn't help myself. So while the Vikings don't have Dalvin Cook anymore and they don't have Justin Jefferson, this is a team that can still hurt us. Kirk Cousins apparently has unlocked the key to offensive football, which is listening to Creed in the locker room before the game. I don't know if anybody in the Packer realm has like an EMP where we can place an EMP, you know, electromagnetic pulse, whatever sort of device in the proximity of the Vikings locker room to disable all their smartphones. So Creed cannot be played. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe that's the defensive uh, game plan, right? Send Bretton Cox, pretty much our last edge rusher, send him with an EMP, plan him outside the Vikings locker room, and then maybe they're not in their groove to start the game. And some of the guys that I talked about step up and fill their lane integrity. And Joe Barry takes the training wheels off and lets the boys do what they do best and actually play the game of football, not play prevent the win the entire time. But I don't know, guys. I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, at the end of the day, a little glass half full we do need to take is that this season, as much as we didn't want it to be, really is about evaluation. Lee is about learning who's good, who's not, who tries, who doesn't, who are we keeping around, and who are we not. And in the safety room, for example, I think Zane Anderson and Anthony Johnson Jr. are the only guys that we have on our contract next year. So like Jonathan Owens, Mr. Simone Biles. We get to see what he can do. We get to see what Anthony Johnson Jr. can do. We get to see what Carrington Valentine can do. Uh, we did add a couple corners after the injury to Eric Stokes, which I failed to mention. I now, I'm now questioning if he's ever really going to be a Packer again. He's had two straight season-ending injuries. This one was a hamstring, which was not the same injury that he had last year, which signed lined him. And it happened in like three plays in special teams. So I, I just don't know what Eric Stokes' future. It's not looking bright at this time. Apparently, he's a really good locker room dude. Remember his rookie year when he had to be CB1, and he was an absolute stud. Hadn't seen the same guy when he came back last year. And now, after two season-ending injuries for a guy whose best traits are his athletic ability and his speed, his ability to explode off the ball and make up ground. Eh, I don't know what we're going to say out of Eric Stokes. You're going to see more Carrington Valentine. Um, the two guys we added, so Carrington, not Car I'm sorry, not Carrington Valentine, Cordy Valentine, who's been an up-and-down guy uh, between the practice squad and our active roster. He will be active for the game, I believe. And then we also signed a 6-2, three- or four-year corner, uh, Robert Rochelle who is a member of the Rams team. We've played him before. I expect to see him on special teams. But you also might see him in Dime. I mean, I would take him over Corey Ballantyne. And I don't know who else really you put in there. We've gotten pretty thin pretty quick, especially when we already have Owens starting. 
and Anthony Johnson Jr. getting more snaps in the third safety, like it gets pretty gets pretty uh pretty thin in the cupboard pretty quick. I think if any of our safeties go down under that three set, then you bring in Dallin Levitt. And I'm just I'm just saying leave him on the sideline. Leave it alone. I butchered my own joke. Some of Joe Barry's defense. We'll see. We'll see what the new guys that we bring in. We'll see if they can do anything. This is a Vikings defense. This is a Vikings. I'm sorry. This is a Vikings offense under Kirk Cousins and the pieces that they've added that will take advantage of holes in the zone, that will dink and dunk, that will kill us. You know, death by a thousand knife cuts. Like they will 100% do that. Kirk has the composure to do it. We'll see what happens. We're going to figure out not only how good pieces of this team are and how pieces of this, this defense are, but who we are as a team, who these individual players are as men. And I am really hoping that just like last season after our individual episodes that Luke and I had to do, that when we came back the next week, oh boy, we were so happy. We were so excited after beating the Dolphins, and I'm hoping we get a similar get-right win, but only time will tell. I thank you guys for uh, for tuning in, even if it's a little bit of a different episode. I I appreciate the love and support, and I lo- I know Luke does too. But until next time, go Pack Go.